Hi, everyone. Welcome to Packers Unscripted from Packers.com. I am Mike Spofford, sitting next to my trusted colleague, Wes Hodkowitz. We're coming to you here from our studios at Lambeau Field. And, Wes, we are here to talk about another Packers victory. I think the phrase game of inches originally was attached to the game of baseball, but there are days it applies to football, and it certainly did. On Sunday at Lambeau, the Packers stopping Christian McCaffrey inches shy of the goal line to preserve a 24-16 to victory right down to the final play, my friend. Yeah, it was something else to watch. Uh, and, you know, talking to guys in the locker room about it afterwards, the snow's coming down. Uh, Jamal Williams <laughs> had that line about he felt like he was in Frozen 2. Uh, but, I mean, it's just this is what this team has done so well. And I know you can look at it defensively and be like, there were too many yards again. You know, there's too many times where you know they were able to convert. But man, oh life, when they get down to the nitty gritty, gotta have a moments. This defense finds a way, and they did it once again. And in watching that play, and I wrote an entire story about it for our locker report to see how that played out. I mean, Mike Pettin's keeping his dime personnel on the field. They're two yards away from the end zone. And Shermon Williams said it. A lot of these guys said it. They didn't know if it was going to be run or pass, but they knew the ball was going to Christian McCaffrey. That's the MVP candidate for the Panthers. That's the guy you want to have the football. And the Packers, with Kyler Fackrell being readjusted moments before the play is snapped, and yeah. he breaks through and gets some you know, yeah. hesitation in the backfield from McCaffrey, and then Preston Smith, a two-sack performance day, makes that final tackle. And despite Greg Van Roten's best efforts trying to pull McCaffrey into the end zone. Illegally, I might add. The Packers <laughs> hold their ground and are 8-2 yeah. and two going into the bye week. What a start. Well, you and I both were thinking in the press box, four seconds left, final play. You and I were both thinking run. I actually thought the Panthers might try to cross the Packers up and do a quarterback draw with their rookie quarterback because, as you say, the Packers were in the dime defense. It wasn't like they were in a, a goal line set right. up front. But they went with their guy, McCaffrey. You can't fault him on the call. And, uh, yeah, the Packers shifting guys right at the last second and not even really setting their stances yeah. as the ball is snapped. But Fackrell's able to slip the block from Van Roten, which is why he ends up trying to drag McCaffrey into the end zone because he missed his block on the play. And uh, Preston Smith comes crashing from the other side. They don't block him on the backside. He comes crashing in to, to get there. And then Blake Martinez is there to try to you know keep that surge yeah. um, from – getting across the goal line. Just a, an incredible finish, as you said. The scene with the snow falling at Lambeau, kind of that snow globe scene. It Only still early November, not even really mid-November just yet. Early for that, but uh, but quite the scene. And the Packers at 8-2, and two, they stay a game ahead of the Minnesota Vikings. We'll talk about this a little bit later. They got a big win down in Dallas on the road to stay one game behind the Packers. But uh, you said it, Wes, this defense somehow – more often than not this year, when the unit's back is up against the wall, they find a way. The end zone interceptions that we've seen in crucial moments this year. Yesterday, basically two stops at the end zone. You get one interception in the third quarter in the end zone that takes points yeah. off the board for the Panthers, and then you get the stop at the end of the game. Yeah, this defense still has a lot to work on, but uh, but boy, they are uh, um, they're writing a story of clutch plays 
in 2019. Yeah, and Kenny Clark, a guy that I don't think you look at his box score, I don't think it really tells the story of the game he had uh, with four tackles. I mean, he was much more effective than that showed. Uh, same thing for Zadarius Smith. Yeah, but no question. Talking to Clark in the locker room afterwards, he said, I mean, this is an emotional way to play. It's a dangerous way to play, and they don't want to play that the entire season. But that being said, you have to look at it where the last, you know, 16 points allowed. Carolina, you can move the ball as much as you want. No game in NFL history has been decided by who has more total yards. It's not a tiebreaker. <laughs> yep. So for them to be able to come up in those situations, I think that's been the biggest difference. You and I have talked about it here before. But the other thing I think, you know, you're going to look at this game, you're going to see that the Panthers have 401 total yards. What doesn't really tell you the story there is, by the traditional definition, the Packers did not allow an explosive play to Christian McCaffrey. I thought that was a big difference in mm -hmm. this game. Yeah, he had 100 yards rushing. He had 30-some-odd yards receiving. But he didn't have that breakaway moment that can be backbreaking that has allowed the Panthers to win a lot of these games. Yeah, you never felt like Christian McCaffrey was the guy controlling the game, which is what he has done in a lot of the games that the Panthers have won this year. Yeah, and regardless of whether or not it was the base personnel or whether or not it was that dime personnel in the final stage, when the Packers were between the hashes, really on both sides of the ball, they won this football game. They did it offensively. Aaron Jones, another three-touchdown performance, first time that's been accomplished in a single season since 1962 with the great Jim Taylor. Him and Jamal Williams both were gashing them in the middle of the field. Yeah. And when the Packers were largely successful, and you and I talked about this after the game, there were a few moments where McCaffrey slipped out. But for the most part, when Carolina tried to play the rough and tough north and south football, the Packers won those battles. And that was one area where they'd really been lagging behind the last few weeks, and it set them up to be able to make some critical stops at important junctions of that game. Well, that final drive, as I wrote about in my game recap story, the final drive was just full of all kinds of ebbs and flows emotionally. Ended up being 18 plays in all. The Panthers started at their 11-yard line. They get credit for 88 yards, but not the 89 they needed for the touchdown. But you look at that final drive. Jair Alexander has a shot at an interception right away early in the drive to end the game. Yeah. Can't hang on to it. Then later on, you get him in fourth and 10. You get pressure on Kyle Allen. You're thinking, okay, this is it. And then somehow a floater that he throws up to the left side. DJ Moore is open and is able to catch it falling to the ground to convert fourth and 10 for the first down. Then you get him in fourth and one. You think you have him stopped. Preston Smith is flagged for offside. So there's eight seconds left. They have first down. They've got two more plays to try to score the uh, – the emotional roller coaster of that, and that was the phrase that uh, Matt LaFleur used when I asked him after the game in his press conference, you know, what was that final drive like for you coaches and everybody on the sideline? He said, hey, it's life in the NFL. It's a roller coaster ride. And, and that's what that final drive was. And, you know, just credit to the Packers. I mean, it's one of those things, obviously. If the Panthers get the touchdown, they still need to get the two-point conversion, and the Packers had stopped a two-point conversion earlier in the fourth quarter, which was a, a very curious call, I thought, by Ron Rivera. But regardless, the Packers had two chances to win this game, stop the drive or stop the two-point play, and it didn't get it didn't come down to the two-point play. Yeah, it was funny, too. I, I was asking Kenny Clark about this after the game as well. I was like, you know, what did you see on that play that you, you know you almost had Allen? He's like, well, which one are you talking about? <laughs> because there were so many instances, and Zadarius Smith talked about it too. Smith estimated, he's like, I might have had 12, 13 pressures in this game. I'm really interested to see when Pro Football Focus gets done with this film review to see how many he gets credited for because yeah. – 
he was so elusive. Jimmy Graham said afterwards it was like he was doing some Ben Roethlisberger stuff out there. Tremont Williams said it was like Carson Wentz, the way he was getting away from people. But Allen, for a backup quarterback who's 23 years old, I thought he showed a lot of poise. And, you know, 307 yards. But as one of the points you and I illustrated going into this game, Mike, they need to pressure him. They did an overall better job of pressuring the quarterback. They got home three times. I think all of them were critical to the outcome of this game. And then also Tremont Williams gets his first interception in nearly two years uh, in the end zone off of the tip from Adrian Amos, who was very close to having a pick in his own right. The Jair Alexander one could have ended everything. Right. Uh, he had nothing but daylight and snowdrifts in front of him. Uh, but, you know, you had to come back. You had to persevere. The Panthers convert two fourth downs, one off a play, one off a penalty on that series. So many things. You know, Preston Smith did not really – was not a fan of that offsides call that he got flagged for. Yeah, he, but, flin- he flinched, and there's a question as to whether he really entered the neutral zone or not. And if anything, it was almost like his – if you look at it closely, his hand when he flinches goes forward and yeah. kind of goes into the neutral zone. It wasn't like his whole body lunged into the neutral zone. But they throw the flag, and the Packers had – a Savage had a nice pass break up there yep. that uh, you thought was going to end the game, but the flag gives – Gives uh, the Panthers new life, and uh, and the Packers have to come up with another stop to win the game. But that's what adversity defense yeah. is all about. We can talk forever about total yards and sacks and points. Although the Packers have been pretty good in that area this year, adversity defense is not a manageable, tangible stat, but it's so important, critical to the overall success of a team. This defense has it, man, and they're able to. They got Ibrahim Campbell back. I thought they looked better in their rotations. There were some yards, some plays, some some breakdowns that they got to clean up, and that's stuff that they're going to have an extra week to kind of rest up for now. But they put their offense in a position to win this game with what they had done in the third quarter. And, you know, you can't argue with 8-2. and two. Yeah, well, with Kyle Allen, I was asked in Insider Inbox what I thought, and my first response was, he belongs. He yeah. showed he belongs in the NFL. The elusiveness you talked about was certainly impressive. I thought he made some really pinpoint throws, especially the uh, the over route to Greg Olson on that final drive. That was, that was for about 17, yeah. 18 yards. I thought that was a tremendous throw, given the conditions and the circumstances. But here's the thing, Wes, and this is what we talk about a lot. The difference with Kyle Allen made three mistakes in this game. He fumbled a snap, which the Packers recovered, and they turned it into a touchdown. He tried to force the ball into the end zone on second down from the 11-yard line when he didn't really have to force it, and Tremont gets the pick off the deflection. And then he threw the ball that Alexander should have picked off. So the Packers made him pay for two out of the the three mistakes. On the flip side, Aaron Rodgers doesn't throw any touchdown passes, has a quarterback rating basically equivalent to what Allen's was, but the only mistakes that Rodgers made is he missed a couple of open receivers. Yeah. He didn't make any of the mistakes that that turn the game that are the, the, the back-breaking type of mistakes. And the Packers rode their running game here to a victory. Jamal Williams, Aaron Jones combining for 156 yards. As you said, Jones with the three touchdowns. To outproduce Christian McCaffrey the way the Packers' backfield did, that's what I talked about last yeah. week. I felt if that was going to happen, I fully expected the Packers to win the game, and uh, and they did. And credit to the offensive line up front, the tight ends and wide receivers being involved in the blocking as well for the running game. Packers just gashed the Panthers up the middle with the run. The irony being that the only run between the tackles the Panthers stopped all game was the one right at the end of the first half on the one-yard line when the Packers decide to punch it in instead of kick the chip shot field goal. And uh, But 
honestly, that was like the only run between the tackles the Panthers put up any kind of resistance because the Packers were controlling the line of scrimmage in this game. Yeah, and Mike, it was one of these things too. When I went back and looked at this thing and, and getting a chance to review it a little bit, you know, Aaron Rodgers after the first game in Chicago, he said we got a defense right after the ten to three win over the Bears. Right. The the feeling I got when I look at this game in particular is. Not that I'm trying to be Aaron Rodgers here or anything, but, you know, if, if it was him, you know, we have a team. And this doesn't have to be just the Aaron Rodgers show anymore. Uh, the structure of this game called for more runs. Packers talked all week long about needing to run the ball more, needing to get the ball in Jamal Williams and Aaron Jones' hands more often. And, Mike, they both touched it 13 times uh, as far as carries, combined for 156 rushing yards yeah. and three touchdowns. Your biggest key to victory going into this game was outproduce Christian McCaffrey because it wasn't just about making sure that you had more yards than him. It was the defensive responsibility to contain him. Yeah. And Aaron Rodgers said it. You know, For a couple weeks there, we're, we're focused on Rodgers being in the MVP conversation. He's throwing Aaron Jones' name in the hat now because this young man, for as humble as he is and as unsung as he was coming from Texas El Paso, you know, his hometown school – and being a fifth-round pick and people wondering if he's just a scat back, well, suddenly he's already surpassed his career high for a single season in rushing attempts. He's tied with McCaffrey with 14 total touchdowns yeah. and scores on the year. This guy's a playmaker, yeah. and he's doing it in different ways each week. And when you think of the greatest, you think of the Amon Greens of the Green Bay Packers history, you think of the Ladanian Tomlinsons and some of these other guys that have really separated themselves on that upper echelon over the last 15 to 20 years, it's that they can beat you in a number of different ways. And the Packers have found a ground game that can do that with these two backs and with Aaron Jones, you know, kind of playing the lead. Yeah, well, you mentioned the statistic with Jones getting his second three rushing touchdown game of the season. He had the four rushing touchdowns in Dallas. That's the first time that a Packers running back has had two of those types of performances in the same season since Hall of Famer Jim Taylor in 1962. Taylor had three of them yeah. that year. A couple other things I'll throw out there for you. Aaron Jones now with 11 rushing touchdowns on the year. He's the first Packers running back to hit double digits in rushing touchdowns since Eddie Lacy was a rookie in 2013. And Jones is 14 total touchdowns right now, and we're talking just after 10 games with six more in the regular season to go. His 14 total touchdowns, the most by a Packers running back in a season since Amon Green had 20 in 2003 when Green had 15 rushing and five receiving touchdowns so definitely some history being made here in uh, in the franchise record books as far as Aaron Jones is concerned and I thought it was great when uh, when Rodgers he didn't expound on it at all it was a very quick answer to uh, to one of the questions in the press conference about Aaron Jones but he said hey you know Christian McCaffrey a really talented player he's being talked about as a potential MVP maybe it's time to start talking about Aaron Jones in the MVP conversation it's it it could end up being an interesting discussion here, depending on how the last six regular season games go for the Packers. Yeah, and you were talking about Amon Green, most rushing touch or most overall touchdowns, whatever, since 2003 with the 20. Jones right now, total touchdowns on pace for 21, the way that this thing is going for him, 17 rushing, uh, as far as what the trajectory says so far. Yeah. I would be remiss, Mike, we have to talk about it, though, with Devontae Adams. 
it didn't make it into either of our stories or any of our stories, but his quote was fantastic uh, after the game because the storyline keeps being, you know, Devontae Adams doesn't have a, a receiving touchdown and commiserations to your fantasy team if you have Adams and, <laughs> you know, it's not working out for you in that regard. Right. But he had such a great line about how he doesn't care. If you're 8-2, and two, he doesn't care if Aaron Jones has 82 touchdowns. He's getting a workout being the one running down to celebrate with him on these things. That shows you, one, I mean, the, 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 the team – aspect to all this but two why Devonte adams is so darn good because he had seven catches for 118 yards in this game yeah. he had two game-breaking catches over 35 yards that set up jones touchdown runs right touchdowns are touchdowns bro i mean it's great and i know these guys want it Adams is in the second year of a four-year extension. He's not looking at, at contracts or money or anything right now. He needs to play well for this football team to perform well on yeah. the field. And he's filling that role. And I thought this game was a beautiful embodiment of, okay, how you can marry those running backs but still have at Devontae Adams making plays. And Adams was, you know, he lamented afterwards. He wanted that downfield catch off the shot play. I was going to say that's the only thing Devontae Adams was worried about right. after the game was the uh, was the deep shot that he had it in his hands. The defender knocked it away at the last second, and you know he wanted that one. He gets that one. We're talking about Devontae Adams having maybe a 175-yard yeah. day out there. Yeah, and, and you think about it, th those are the type of plays that <sighs> – they're not gimmies by any means, but Adams playing at the level he wants now, he expects those. But Mike, we the 38 yarder down the sideline against, I think it was Cockrell. The, the it reminded me a lot of that uh, Alan Lazard play from a, last month, where it's there's such a small window there, and Devonte Adams laid hands, whatever it is, he pulls up with it, and that's such a shot of adrenaline. And when that game really got late. And you're not able to, you know, pass the ball as much anymore. And you know, there's the conditions are, you know, flurrying up. Devontae Adams is still there, and he's still making plays. Yeah. And I just, as good as Jones was, and obviously the the runs that that Jamal Williams had on their last scoring drive, those are so noteworthy. But I just, I thought this was a great reflection of Devontae Adams and what he does for this offense. Well, I thought offensively for the Packers, Devontae Adams had the one key play that flipped the game in a sense. And what I'm talking about is right at the beginning of the third quarter, the Packers get stuffed at the goal line at the end of the first half when they decide to go for the touchdown instead of kick the field goal. That kind of wiped out a very questionable uh, roughing the passer call in the end zone that kept that Packers drive yeah. alive very early, and then they ended up killing the rest of the first half clock. But they come out, the Packers get the ball to start the second half. It's only 14-10. to 10. Aaron Rodgers gets sacked on the first play. Bakhtiari gets flagged for hands to the face on the second play. It's second and 26 on your own nine-yard line in a 14-10 to 10 game when you have just blown a scoring opportunity to end the first half. And what happens? Aaron Rodgers finds Devontae Adams open on a deep over route to the left sideline, 30-plus yards, converts on second and 26. Three plays later, with two of those being Aaron Jones runs, the Packers are in the end zone. They go 91 yards in four plays after the two negative plays to start that drive, and suddenly it's 21 to 10. That pass to Devontae Adams on second and 26. If you're gonna if you're gonna pick one offensive play in my mind, that's the play of the game. That's the one. Yeah, because it's just those those type of plays, and it wasn't that you know it was just all yak or anything like that. I mean, it was the ball was placed at a first down level. Oh already. yeah, yeah, the, that was the, a downfield throw. The percentage of making those with the, against that type 
type of coverage in those types of situations is not high. Yeah. But when it's Rodgers, when it's Adams, it feels that way. And, yeah, I, th- I thought that was – and you look at what happened right after that, Mike. I think you had the, the big Aaron Jones runs right after. They just, they just rolled after that catch yep. and were able to get in the end zone and, and get that two-score lead that they had been searching for. Yeah, well, I know we're pushing our, uh, our time limit here, but I do want to talk a little bit about what went down in – Week 10 in the NFL. As I mentioned earlier, the Vikings get a huge road win at Dallas, 28-24. to So Minnesota 7-3, and one game behind the Packers at 8-2. and Elsewhere in the NFC North, Matthew Stafford is out potentially multiple weeks with a back injury, and the Lions, with their backup quarterback, lose a seven-point game at Soldier Field. But the big result in the NFC was... The one and seven Atlanta Falcons facing the seven and one New Orleans Saints in the Superdome, and the Falcons come out victorious and very convincingly, twenty six to nine. Drew Brees and the Saints' offense does not get into the end zone, so New Orleans picks up loss number two, and that changes the look of the uh, the potential playoff picture in in the NFC a little bit. I tell you what, you and I were joking in the press box. I I would. We're not allowed to gamble on NFL games because we're employees, and even if we were allowed, I never would. And it's games like Atlanta at New Orleans that that tell you anybody who's in you can't predict that. A- anybody who's in a knockout pool, you know, where you yeah. pick one game every week. Anybody who is still alive in a knockout pool and hadn't used the Saints yet, they had to have picked them to beat to beat Atlanta there, and they just got knocked out themselves. I mean, that's that's the NFL for you right there. And, uh, yeah, the playoff picture looks a little different in the NFC with New Orleans having two losses now. Almost a two-touchdown favorite going into that game, the Saints were. And but they lose by 17 points. Boy, Mike, you and I, we, we had, like, blood coming out of our mouths last week from biting our tongues about the whole, you know, you have bad games, people. Get a, you know, Get a grip yeah, on it. Get, that's o- what get over it. It happens. That's what the and that's this is the NFL. That's what I leaned over to you during the game as we're watching it. We're seeing the result on the TVs. It's like this is exactly what we're talking about. Yep. I, the NFL is so unpredictable at times, and you you look at it with we were talking about with the Chargers. Chargers played really well offensively against Green Bay. They make that short trip, you know, over to Oakland, and, and now they they couldn't find themselves in the first half. Yeah, this particular game. Atlanta's defense, which could do no right all season, all last two seasons, then suddenly they're finding a way to shut down one of the game's you know best offenses and a, and a future Hall of Fame quarterback. It is remarkable at times what happens. And yeah. the playoffs is not about which team just dominated everybody and just <laughs> rolled through everybody. It's about what six teams, which six teams were the most consistent over the course of a 16-game schedule. There are highs, there are lows, there are bad games. You do not want bad stretches. And as Aaron Jones talked about, Jamal Williams discussed, the Green Bay Packers prevented themselves from falling into a bad stretch with bouncing back with that victory. Yeah, well, and you look at what's coming up here Monday night, the undefeated San Francisco 49ers, they're taking on the two-loss Seattle Seahawks. And also in that division, the L.A. Rams, the defending NFC champions, go on the road and lose at Heinz Field in Pittsburgh. The defending NFC champs are 5-4, and four, yeah. Wes, and their, their chances at any kind of a division title in the NFC West West could be out the window by Thanksgiving, depending on uh, some of the, the some of these uh, two upcoming San Francisco Seattle matchups that uh, that are on the horizon here. So um, a lot of things still have to sort themselves out here, but uh, but a big one tonight 
um, in the Bay Area, San Francisco, hosting Seattle, trying to remain the only unbeaten NFL team in 2019. There is a lot to like about the San Francisco 49ers, certainly though they're dealing now with you know George Kittle being injured. I just want to point this out before we wrap the show up. They yeah. have Seattle at home for this, but if you really look at their schedule, considering they had the week four bye, they are going to be facing a murderer's row here during this <laughs> it's, final it's, slate. It's lining up, yeah. You have Seattle twice. You have the Cardinals before the Packers game, a Cardinals team that looks like it's been more dangerous. And took them to the wire just uh, the last wire. week. Yeah, Baltimore at Baltimore, at New Orleans. And they do have the Rams down the stretch, man. We're going to learn a lot about the Green Bay Packers coming out of the bye with how they play against the 49ers. But I don't know if there is a single team in the NFL right now that there's going to be more of a barometer on where they're at than what San Francisco is going to face now the last eight games including tonight yeah this is uh this is gonna get this is gonna get really interesting buckle up everybody as i like <laughs> to say all right with that we do have to go we'll call it a wrap on this edition of packers unscripted be sure to follow all of our coverage of the team on packers.com we've got lots of content coming up through the bye week so don't uh, desert us here like us subscribe to us on itunes and other podcast services on twitter he's at west hot i'm at mike spofford at packers for the team account thanks for tuning in everybody see you next time Thank you.